We're talking about how to incorporate cannabis into your sex life to enhance pleasure and deepen intimacy, and especially how to think about it as a tool for survivors. about this episode. I originally talked to Ashley about cannabis and sex, but when I went through the episode, I realized that there are actually two main topics in this episode, and one is cannabis and sex and how to increase pleasure and presence using it. But the other is really about how to be present for a partner if that person is dissociating, which a lot of women in particular will do during sex if they've experienced trauma in the past. And we go through in depth how to be there for a partner if this is something that happens. And I'm really excited about how it turned out. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts. And I just wanted to call out that those are the two hacks that we go through is the cannabis and also how to be present with a partner who's dissociating. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Dear Men. I am happy to introduce Ashley Manta or Manta? Manta. Ashley Manta, who is a sex and relationship coach and one of the leading experts on sex and cannabis. And I'm really excited about this episode because I feel like as uh, marijuana legalization has swept the country, uh, we've heard a lot about marijuana for chronic pain and things like that, but there's a lot of possibility and excitement around the space of, of sexuality. And I think that's lesser known. So I'm really happy to have you on. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so you are the creator of Canasexual, and I would love to hear um, more about more about that. But before we get into that, what's been your personal journey around sex and cannabis? My question. <laughs> no, it's a great question. My journey with sex and cannabis has really been. Odyssean, really, because I started out being very anti-cannabis growing up in a rural town that was incredibly conservative and I was a child of dare culture. So I was taught growing up, like many of us were, that weed is bad and the people who consume weed are bad. And, you know, of course we know that has a lot of very racist roots in the war on drugs. Yeah. And yeah, not so realistic. Oh my gosh. It's so sad and, and heartbreaking the way that this, our government has systematically oppressed people of color, especially using plant medicine like cannabis. And so I, I bought into that early on and the, I was assaulted when I was 13. And so the person who assaulted me was using cannabis and I associated those things for a long time. I'm sorry. Thank you. It was, you know, awful of course, but it did end up being um, a source of strength and understanding as I grew to heal and integrate my trauma. And it led me to studying trauma in college and consuming cannabis for the first time in grad school, along with my philosophy cohort, which is not terribly surprising that philosophy students were consuming cannabis. (laughs) And I remember seeing one of my professors smoking at a conference and I thought, 
oh my goodness, someone with a PhD is smoking weed. All right, it can't be that bad. And so I consumed for the first time and I was really amazed at how well it relaxed my body and it helped with some of my PTSD symptoms of anxiety and, and just feeling really disconnected from my body completely. But I was still experiencing pain with penetration, even smoking. And when I moved to California in 2013 from Pennsylvania, I experienced medical cannabis for the first time instead of having to buy it from a dealer. And I was so enamored with the idea of being able to walk into a dispensary and say, I want to feel this and this, and I don't want to feel that. And having someone at least be able to point me in the right direction. And then I found a company called Foria, which was making a THC infused oil for vulvas, for women. And spraying that on before sexy fun times commenced allowed me to have penetrative sex without pain for the first time since my assault, which was, as you can imagine, a game changer for me because I really liked sex, even though it hurt, but because it hurt, I was always disconnected from my body and, and dissociated and just not enjoying it as much as I could be. And so being able to have pain-free penetration, I was able to start having absolutely phenomenal sex. And then I just wanted it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of looked around the landscape of sexuality professionals and realized that there were no educators that I knew of who were talking about how to incorporate cannabis into your sex life to enhance pleasure and deepen intimacy, and especially how to think about it as a tool for survivors to reclaim some of the autonomy over pleasure in their bodies and feel more comfortable and, and really have a consent focused consumption of cannabis in their lives. Yeah. I want to, I want to back up to the, when you're talking about um, pain during, during sex, during intercourse, because that's a really common um, phenomenon that a mm-hmm. lot of women experience that I think a lot of men aren't aware of. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious for you in your journey, how many of your partners knew, knew about the, the pain? Did you, you know, you mentioned dissociation, which I really want to um, pause on and, mm-hmm. and I would love to hear your, your experience of it. Cause that's something that I think isn't very well understood. And I think a lot of times women are dissociating during sex and men aren't aware of that. So can you talk a little bit about your experience in terms of either telling partners that you were having pain or kind of grinning and bearing it if you were dissociating and allowing it to happen, you know, for whatever reason? Absolutely. Most of my partners were unaware that I was having pain. Now, part of that is because when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I picked shitty partners who would not have cared even if I had told them. So I made the calculated decision that like, you're not going to give a shit anyway. Why would I even mention it to you? And I didn't have the self-respect to not sleep with people who wouldn't give a shit if I was in pain. And that was something that I had to grow through in my twenties. But for the most part, my partners were completely unaware that I was either in pain or dissociating. They were very much focused on their own experiences and not particularly focused on mine. So I was having pretty lousy sex for the first chunk of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, 
I think a lot of the people listening to this would feel really sad. I know I feel really sad hearing that. And Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering like what, what kind of helped you move through that? Did you start to get therapy or did you have a male partner who did care deeply? Like what was Mm -hmm. the, what kind of helped you shift? I had been doing therapy the whole time, but because many therapists are not particularly well-versed in sexuality, that wasn't really a thing that came up in therapy until much later. And until I started doing my own research on, on somatic healing in the realm of sexuality for trauma and such. Yeah. However, yes. Oh, I'd had therapy pretty much from the time I was 16 on and having a partner that cared was really the thing that made the difference. When I started meeting other sex educators in 2013, specifically, you know, male sex educators, uh, people like Reed Mahalko, Charlie Glickman. Um, it was neat to meet men who had done their work yeah. and who were really mindful of their partner's experiences. And so I got to witness that in in the classroom setting and, and watching them instruct and, and share about how to be present with your partner and their reactions. And then, of course, you know, as many people know, Reed Mahalko is one of the biggest sluts in the business. And I say that with love. And so I got to sleep with him and I was like, oh, Oh, this is awesome. Like he really pays attention. That's really neat. Um, although that was just kind of my first taste of it. My, my real understanding of a present partner came from a romantic partner that I had that I still have, uh, but I met him in 2015. So this is all relatively recent for me to be having the best sex of my life. Yeah. And I <laughs> just like really, um, really pause on that because I, I, I find it really encouraging and I, worked for a long time with um, survivors of sexual abuse, mostly childhood sexual abuse, mm-hmm. but also some adult. And um, I guess I just want to pause because this, this podcast is for men. And I just want you to notice that a present available man who was really paying attention made a difference, a big difference. Like there's huge value in, in therapy and I'm a huge advocate for Mm -hmm. somatic therapy. And I've heard this again and again of, it was a, it was a man, it was a present available man who had done his work, who was available to be there with you that made a difference in your, in your sex life. And especially in the, in the, in the sort of healing from trauma, essentially. Um, And I'm wondering if you can speak to that specifically, um, particularly around the dissociation were you did being with this man help you become more aware of that did he notice like what was that interaction like absolutely uh so this is my partner b he is my main partner and we've been together for four and a half years and he was the first person that i was ever with in a a romantic relationship who was very in tune with my reactions and my body was skilled at helping me get grounded if I became activated or triggered while we were sharing sexual space and would notice immediately if I was starting to dissociate and would instantly stop and check in. And if I needed help grounding or if I needed help becoming present again, and he would give me suggestions on getting back into my body. But like, I would have moments where he was going down on me and I dissociated and he felt the shift in my body and immediately stopped and checked in 
And that was such an incredible gift for me. And I tell him all the time, even to this day, that I would not be where I am in my career. I would not be the figurehead that I have become in the world as the sex and cannabis expert, you know, the woman who is a survivor and is having amazing sex, if it hadn't been for my relationship with him, because he showed me what was possible and how much having a supportive, present, thoughtful, patient partner could make all the difference in the world in someone's healing journey. I'm, yeah, I'm actually tearing up because I'm, I'm really impacted by that um, interaction or, or the the partnership of the masculine and the feminine, that he was mm-hmm. really, really there with you and paying attention and he was able to help, help you ground. Because like you said, I think, you know, men who aren't present or doing their work, they're more focused on themselves in the sexual experience and they're more, you know... It, they're just not really there. Mm-hmm. They can't help in this way, even if they have good intentions. It mm-hmm. really takes a man who's paying close attention. And I'm wondering, like, really, I don't know if you can speak to this, but on a like a granular level, like, would he notice that your body would stiffen up, or you know, do you know what he would notice? Let's say when he was going down on you that you were dissociating, because I think men really, a lot of men don't understand what dissociation really means. Sure. Absolutely. So to kind of do the quickie academic dissociation is the freeze response. So it is basically your body typically goes limp. um, Eye contact goes away and typically people get nonverbal. And often they feel like their bodies are almost um, in a state of paralysis. And for me that manifests physically, but B is also a Tantra trained man, which is, I was so skeptical of Tantra when I met him. I rolled my eyes and I thought it was just the silliest thing ever. And then I experienced what Tantric connection and energetic sex could be like, and it blew my mind. And so he actually is able to discern when things are shifting in my energetic body as well. In addition to the physical, you know, kind of losing muscle tension and not being super responsive, or he would notice that I'm staring into space he would also feel the shift in, you know, maybe I would have some stuck energy in my root chakra or just my energetic body was not responding the way that he was used to. He was very dialed, is very dialed into that sensation and awareness. Yeah. I want to, um, yeah, just re-emphasize that the, um, the body going limp and the sort of vacant, vacant expression mm-hmm. and the um, uh, nonverbal Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that, um, you know, I work with a number of, of male clients. I work with men and the, the dissociative response association happens to men too. And, you know, not always, but I've seen it in my clients, especially around, um, when a woman actually does come towards them, some mm-hmm. men will freeze. They'll go into a freeze response and they don't understand why they can't, um, act. And, this is part of it, that when your body, it, you know, becomes triggered, doesn't feel safe, it, this is a response that happens unconsciously, essentially to help protect you. And it was a response that you, that your body did for a reason when you were young. So I guess I just want to normalize it, that if this is, if this is something that happens to you, it's normal. It's something that your body did to help you. And 
you know, I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, as a coach, I'm sure you, you guide other people through this process. How do you help them sort of recognize when they are dissociating and then come back? Absolutely. So I'm so glad that we're talking about this because trauma, I think, is something that more people need to become more well-versed in because it's so common and it's it's something that most people don't really understand or know how to navigate. And so I've been geeking out pretty hard lately on something called polyvagal theory, which is uh, all about the vagus nerve and how that impacts your um, fight, flight, freeze response. And so they actually conceptualize it kind of like a ladder. And at the top of the ladder is like your day-to-day interactions. They call it safe and social. And below that is the fight, flight response, which is your sympathetic nervous system. It's, it's, it's activated one way or the other. It's it's either you're fighting or your muscles are pumping to get you away from the lion that's trying to eat you. And the dissociative response, the freeze response is back actually in your parasympathetic nervous system. And that's actually physiologically as you're preparing for death, a painless death. Like it's the lion has caught you and it's about to eat you and your brain just takes a vacation a vacation. And so it means that at some point in your life, whether or not you were actually in danger of dying, your brain thought you were. Um, This is super common with uh, sexual trauma survivors of all ages, but especially younger ones. Um, You know, if, if I anger this adult caregiver or this person who's harming me, they could kill me. And, and we don't think that consciously, but our bodies feel that. And so it typically results that whichever the first trauma response you go into becomes your default trauma response. And so it's much easier for you to slip into it in the future. So if you have trauma from childhood and you find yourself in adulthood feeling disconnected from your body, feeling kind of zombie-like or as though your body is here, but you're kind of standing next to your body, looking at it, watching things happen, but not being able to actually engage that's one of the telltale signs of dissociation. Um, I also feel very numb. That's yeah. if, if I can't feel my body, if I can't, if I lose my appetite, that's another one that comes up for me. That's interesting. The losing of the appetite. I, and so when you um, are coaching others through this or you notice yourself, cause I'm assuming this has been a process for you. Yes. <laughs> I'm dissociated. Um, what do you do to help help? come back to your body or ground? The first thing I do is I actually say out loud, I'm dissociating. And like, as soon as I start to feel off or I, I take a second, like I'll check in with myself and be like, oh, okay, that's what's happening. I am dissociating right now. And that sends me into sort of a pre-practiced protocol alliteration. Yay. Um, <laughs> that I have established for myself over time when I'm, when I think, okay, I'm dissociating. What happens next? all right, I need to take a couple deep breaths into my belly. I need to ground my my seat and my feet into whatever I'm sitting on or standing on. So if I'm sitting, like pay attention to my butt in the chair and kind of wiggle it a little bit and like get a solid grounding under that, put my feet flat on the ground and start to imagine rooting into the ground, like do some visualization. If I am out in the world and I I can't just sit down and do that. I'll start looking for things like colors. Like that is a red car. That is a blue t-shirt. That is a green plant. Like just starting to notice physical things in your environment and pay attention to them can kind of help you come back in. 
And if you happen to have, you know, essential oils in your, in your area, lavender is a really good one for helping to calm and ground and get you back being present, but anything that's, that works with your senses. So sight, listening to, um, you know, maybe some solfeggio frequencies or, or like white noise, um, tasting something like putting something, you know, tart in my mouth, just like anything that, that hooks your senses in can help get you out of the dissociation. Yeah. One of my guy friends is a domestic violence survivor and Mm -hmm. he frequently dissociates and he, he talks about that as well of notice five things in your environment, Mm -hmm. notice five physical things in your environment. And especially like you said, the color, notice Mm -hmm. the thing and the color and name it Mm -hmm. either in your head or I'm curious, do you, do you do anything aloud because of the verbal connection that verbal helps? If I can, if I'm in my car, let's say, versus like in the middle of a crowded room where all of a sudden people are going to be like, why is she talking about the green car? That's odd. You know, like in as much as it can be socially acceptable publicly, yes. And when I'm by myself in my apartment, then I'll do it. I remember one night uh, B noticed that I was dissociating and he did a series of things. He put on music without words. He changed the lighting so that it was softer he put some essential oils on my chest. He laid across my belly, like so that he was putting pressure on my core. And he told me to take my finger and trace it along his body in ways that felt good for my finger. So he gave my brain a job. Yeah, I like that. That's a great way of phrasing it. If he gave my brain a job, mm-hmm. it, it almost, it feels like flooding, right? It, yes, it's absolutely. It's like your, your whole system's just totally flooded. And so mm-hmm. giving it something to focus on helps kind of bring back the safety. Exactly. Um, I want to just mention, so um, triggers for dissociation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if you noticed, because one thing I just want to speak to is, is social situations or social anxiety can mm-hmm. trigger dissociation. Absolutely. So, right. So like, if you, for example, let's say you have a meeting with your boss and it doesn't go well, that can trigger unsafety. Feeling mm-hmm. unsafe in your body, that can trigger dissociation. So it's not just, you know, if you, let's say, had sexual trauma or you're a survivor of domestic violence, it's not just, you know, situations like that. That's not what we're talking about. It's, it's regular things in life mm-hmm. that somehow make you feel unsafe. They can be small things. Can you speak to just like a few of them that you've noticed? Either in Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen situations where people dissociate in the car when they're maybe their partner's driving and they're following too closely or they're speeding or they're otherwise like doing something that makes the person in the passenger seat feel uncomfortable. Sometimes folks will dissociate then. Um, one dissociation trigger that I found in myself is when I don't feel like I have control over my environment. And, you know, obviously we can't control everything all the time, but if B is talking to me about something with his health protocols that I think is concerning or I disagree with it, but I don't feel like it's my place to say anything. And I'm like biting my tongue that will sometimes cause me to dissociate because I feel like I'm out of control and I can't help and I can't say what I want to say. And so I'm shut down and it just launches me into that dissociative headspace. Yeah. And, um, 
I really liked what you said about his, I mean, your partner is extremely trained in this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um, when he was helping you that time that you, you mentioned that, you know, he put on music without lyrics Mm -hmm. and laid across your core and had you draw something with your finger and put essential oil on your chest, right? So sight, sound, um, smell, touch, Mm -hmm. physical things. He didn't, he wasn't talking to you. I think no. it's that people understand. It's not like you, you're, you know, if you have a partner who dissociates and you're going to be working with them or helping them around this, it's not really about talking, like quote unquote, talking them down. It's really like their physical body is in a dissociative state and their physical body needs to be brought back. I guess mm-hmm. I wanted to highlight that because I think it can be easy in our culture because we so frequently go to words like, oh, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Like, you know, can you speak a little bit when you're coaching, coaching people around it, like talking about it isn't necessarily the best um, strategy, right? No, talking through it in the moment certainly is a, can be a recipe for challenge because if, if you have a partner who's like, tell me what's wrong, tell me what I need to do. How do I help you? Like all of a sudden you're asking someone who's already in an activated state to have to kind of put that aside and figure out what they need and, and verbalize it and try to figure out what you're available for. So that gets tricky. One thing that is helpful for me though, is because I have guilt and shame when I get activated, I feel like a burden, which is not real. Like I know that that's a function of my own insecurity, but that does come up for folks. And I've, I've heard that from a number of survivors who have that, like feel guilty for their reactions. So having my partner reassure me, this doesn't scare me. I'm here for you. I'm, you know, just, I'm right here. You're not alone. I've got you. Yeah. Is really helpful for me. So it's not that you have to help me you know, think through this or say the right thing in terms of getting me to say something or or process it in a certain way, but just letting me know that you're there and that I'm not inconveniencing you by having this intense emotional reaction can be very like reassuring and can allow me to relax into my experience instead of feeling bad about the fact that I'm reacting this way, if that makes sense. I love that. I I also just kind of want to point out for the men listening you know, you breathing into your belly and you grounding yourself in Mm -hmm. the moments is really important because we tend to calibrate to the other person's nervous system. So if if you're activated and anxious and you're trying to help and you're running around and it's, you know, that's not going to help versus I'm right here. I'm with you and deep breaths into your body and, and calming your nervous system can also help regulate. Absolutely. It is so valuable for me that he stays really over his emotional center of gravity when I'm activated. And that gives me something to anchor to. Yeah. Because he's not getting stirred up and what's wrong? What did I do? What, why are you always like this? You know, why, why can't I do anything right? Like if, if he were to make it about him in that moment, then we're both in this sort of maelstrom together as opposed to he notices that I need help or support. And he is just like a quiet, sure presence and, and breathing. And sometimes he'll encourage me to, to shake out my body and, and just to like clench and release. And, and he'll, you know, 
do the exaggerated deep breaths and, and noisy exhales to remind me to breathe. And that is so helpful. Yeah. And you don't have to be perfect at this. Mm-hmm. I don't want the men listening to know you don't have to be <laughs> an advanced Tantra teacher <laughs> no. to help. <clears throat> but I think this is, I really like where this discussion has gone. Cause I think it's just so encouraging to know that, you know, we can all help each other and that mm-hmm. it is, really, um, we hear a lot about the toxic masculine and I just want to point out that this is a way that men can help in a very real and intimate way that does actually make a huge difference to the people you're with. So, um, is there anything else you want to share before we sort of switch gears into more cannabis talk? (laughs) The only thing I would say is if you do have a partner who has trauma and and you do feel kind of unsure as to how to show up for them and support them, I would encourage um, the men listening to to have, find a therapist or a coach who can help you. I'm, and really, actually, trauma is therapy territory, I would say. So find someone who can support you because it is a lot of emotional bandwidth to support a survivor and to show up for folks. And so the idea of putting on your oxygen mask first before assisting other passengers and, and not pouring from an empty cup so that you have support so that you can show up. And so that you have someone who can give you pointers and point you in the right direction of this is what would be helpful. This is what evidence has shown over the years is, is useful for survivors. And, and you can even offer a menu, you know, would you like essential oils? Would you like touch? Would you like music? Would you like breathing? And sometimes people can't identify within themselves, like pull out of the air what they need, but if they're given a menu, they can choose off of it. (laughs) That's a great point. I really support that. And especially, um, like you said, talking to someone who, whether it's a coach or a therapist, but like you said, trauma is therapy territory. Mm -hmm. If you're supporting someone else, you need support. And it's Mm -hmm. important to, to remember that because many of the survivors of sexual abuse that I was working with, you know, one of their early partners was the first person they disclosed to. Yes. So this is very common. (laughs) It's not like infrequent. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is, you know, and a lot of times, you know, that's when it gets brought up or gets triggered. Absolutely. So, um, so a lot of you, so it sounds like a lot of your journey was around, um, recovering from trauma and the, uh, Foria, I think was, I've heard of that brand before as well, um, yes. which was a spray that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit more about, um, is most of the, the stuff that you use actually like, you know, spray or cream or stuff that actually goes on the vulva or is some of it, do you take it orally? At this point I use all of the things. I, I don't know if there is a method of ingesting or consuming cannabis that I have not tried at this point. So <laughs> I, I have really broadened my range. Foria was certainly the first sexually focused product that I ever used. And they have expanded their product line from just the THC oil to now they have an entire line of CBD products. So they can actually be shipped to all 50 states, which is convenient if you're not living in California or Colorado, if you're listening to this. And they have everything from suppositories, which can be used vaginally or anally. Vaginally, they're great for cramps or if you have cervical pain because your partner is longer than you are deep. That's a common thing that I hear from from folks with vulvas, that their partner ends up accidentally knocking their cervix during deep penetration. And so 
those suppositories are great for that. They're also great anally if you want to make anal sex more comfortable without numbing. So there are a number of different things, but the one I recommend really to most people who are just getting started is massage oil. Mm. Giving your partner a massage with no agenda, not like I'm giving you a massage to get you in the mood so we can have sex, but just giving a massage with the intention of connecting and being of service and having your partner be in a space of receiving can end up leading to openness and receptivity to additional sexual exploration, um, especially if there's desire discrepancy and, you know, the most often I hear in, in hetero partners that the, the woman is less interested in, in regular sexual interaction than their, their um, partner is. And so to have laid out the ground rules where this is not, I'm not doing this to get you in the mood to have sex. I'm just doing it so that we can connect and feel each other's bodies and touch and, you know, get that oxytocin flowing. And many women especially have what's called responsive desire. And so they need some context in order to get turned on. And so a massage is a great place to start. It's going to get you into your body. It's going to relax any muscle pain that you might have and stress from the work week. And it allows the partners to connect without it being an explicitly sexual act. Yes. And I also want to sort of shout out foot massage. Mm-hmm. Foot massage can be really um, pleasurable and sensual. And if you're in a space or somewhere where you can't do full body massage for whatever reason, you can often still do foot massage. And it's, it really feels good. <laughs> foot massage is great. Hand massage is also really great. And I think our hands are one of the things yeah. that we forget about with massage. Um, and you know, anyone who's ever had a manicure, that's half of the reason you get one is because they do that amazing hand and, and forearm massage at the yeah. end. But <laughs> I don't think, you know, I suspect many men have never had a manicure. And so, and you, you really may want to explore that because they're awesome. <laughs> Just saying, but manicure has the word man in it guys. Right. (laughs) When my dad gets them, he actually says, I got a capital M A N icure. And I'm like, you're hilarious. (laughs) But, but the hands, you know, we're on our phones all the time. We're on computers all the time. The hands get so fatigued and they get such little attention. And so that can be another really yummy, sensual connective experience as well. And can you speak a little bit to like, what are, for example, the suppositories doing? What is the cannabis in the massage oil doing? What is the spray? Like, is it relaxing the muscles? What is it actually helping with? Great question. So one thing to know is that if you are using the spray or topicals or even suppositories, you are not going to get high, even if the product contains THC, you may feel relaxed, but you will not feel stoned. So that's like, good to know. And I always let people know that, especially if they're concerned about the intoxicating effects of THC. When you apply THC to the vulva, it's a vasodilator. So it's actually opening up the capillaries and the blood vessels and bringing more blood flow to the area, which causes the tissue to be more sensitive. Uh, It causes some swelling in a good way, good swelling, flushing, let's say, engorgement. (laughs) (laughs) We need and, more words, don't we? Right, <laughs> we do. Words like encouragement. That doesn't sound good, but like... But it's awesome. Open yeah. like yeah. a flower. Open like a flower, pulsing like a yummy, muscly, awesome thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we need more words. I, I should have been a poet. That would have made life so much easier. <laughs> However, so 
THC is more sensation oriented. It's also good for pain and helping to reduce pain. CBD, which is the other common ingredient in these products, is when ingested, it's really good for stress and anxiety. When applied topically, it's really good for inflammation. And so if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you have sore muscles or inflamed um, pelvic floor because of tension, if you have any kind of, you know, maybe you had very vigorous sex the day before and you're sort of swollen from yesterday, it can yeah. help with that. Yeah. And so when applied to the vulva, it absorbs into that exposed mucosa, much like the inside of your mouth. And so it's much more effective on vulvas than it is on penises. Interesting. Sort of the bad news for you guys listening. It's it's not super helpful. And in fact, some some men have said that it can have an opposite effect than a desired one on their erections. Oh, like a numbing or like a... a not numbing. It, it never is a numbing situation, but it can be a relaxing situation where, um, you know, erections tend to be the tension and, and the firmness. And so if you're relaxed, you're not going to have maybe as strong of an erection. Now, I've not found that to be the case with anyone that I've played with, but I have heard anecdotally from some folks. So if that were the case, using a cock ring could be a nice thing to add in just to, to help keep with the, the tension and in, in the erectile tissue. Although of course the caveat is you do not have to have an erect penis to have great sex. True. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that men have is that like, I have to be hard. I have to last forever. Like, no, 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 no. First of all, your flaccid penis has just as many nerve endings and it's going to feel just as good for you to have that in someone's mouth than when it's hard. Second of all, even if your penis is not erect, you still have hands and a mouth and toys and like sexy fun time does not have to end just because your erection is not present. And you don't have to feel shame about it that there's something wrong with you or you're somehow less than because erection is eluding you. There are a thousand reasons that that could be the case and they're all completely valid, even just as simple as you had a rough day at work. And so- I totally agree. I think that's one of the- most damaging parts of um, porn and how mm-hmm. much porn basically everyone consumes at this point, but especially men is that it gives you the impression that you have to be hard all the time. Mm-hmm. And that that's what women want from you all the time, which my sex research does not show. That's, no. that's not a no. thing. <laughs> no, my, my best advice with porn, because I'm a fan of porn. I think it's useful for fantasy, but you have to understand that you're watching sci-fi that is not something that you can emulate or hope to emulate in the real world. You are watching professional athletes who literally train for this. And there's a lot of tricks to the camera and a lot of things going on behind the scenes that you're not aware of. So watch it for the fantasy aspect, but don't try to use that as a benchmark for your own sexual prowess because you're just always going to come up short, no pun intended, and that's (laughs) not cool. I totally agree. (laughs) So as we start to wrap up here, I'm curious, are you, do you, are you also selling these, these products? If people are interested in getting some of them, where do they go? What do you recommend? I don't sell them directly. However, if you were to go to Foria's website, which is foriawellness.com, F-O-R-I-A, if you use coupon code CANASEX, C-A-N-N-A-S-E-X, you'll save 10%. So that's a nice way to just, you know, save a little bit of cash. And, you know, it helps me out because I do work with Foria. They have me on their, on their payroll and, and they like to see people buying. Great. 
products and, and they are really good products. Like I worked with Foria for many, many, many years before they started paying me because I always want people to know that if I'm endorsing a product, it's because I believe in it, not just because they're paying me to. Yeah. Um, and I just want to point out that it's, it's all natural. Yes. Those of you that are interested, it doesn't have a bunch of chemicals. It's organic botanicals that's used, especially important since, um, you know, the vulva absorbs everything. So you want to make sure that you're using good, good quality lubrication and shout out to all the women who are, um, in menopause or going through menopause. Mm -hmm. Really, really good for that. Um, I know I have a number of clients who are, are men with women who are either going through that or have gone through it and are disoriented because they're not, their natural wetness isn't as much as it used to be. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to shout that out explicitly that this can be really, really helpful for that. It absolutely is. In fact, it was originally developed for postmenopausal women and to combat dryness and tissue atrophy and to bring more blood flow and pleasure oh. to the area. And then they figured out that it's actually great for people of all ages and, and it's wonderful for pleasure, but absolutely for those who are, have, are perimenopausal or postmenopausal, like look into this cause it's really, really helpful. And, and public service announcement. If you have KY jelly sitting in your drawer right now, please throw it away. Throw it away guys. It's throw it away. terrible. My favorite lube on the market is a lube called Sliquid. And it's free of irritating chemicals. It's really, really amazing. Not tested on animals. And, and I, that's all I use. And it's got a cool name. <laughs> and it's got a cool name. Yeah. What's that called again? Oh, it's liquid with an S. Liquid. Yeah. <laughs> really, that was, that was like a light bulb moment, whoever came up with that name. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. This was really great. Are there any other that, tips that you would leave our male listeners with in terms of this? Anything Dirty talk. Know? Okay. Dirty talk is key. I'm actually, I have a nine page free PDF. If you go to lovedirtytalk.com, you can get my PDF and I have an online dirty talk course coming out. So you can take it from the privacy of your own home. You don't have to tell anyone that you're learning about dirty talk, but I really want people to feel comfortable expressing themselves in sexual situations. And dirty talk is really just sexy communication. Yeah. And so being able to give and receive feedback in real time, being able to find your voice and your pace and your vocabulary in dirty talk space is something that a lot of people struggle with. And so I want to shorten that learning curve. So visit lovedirtytalk.com and check that out because a lot of people are way more turned on by dirty talk than they're willing to admit, but they're intimidated by it. And so it's, it's a good skill set to have. I might have you back on just to talk about that. Subject. I would love that. <laughs> a lot of people are <laughs> intimidated to get started, but it really, it can add a lot to intimacy. And It really can. Yeah. And if you want to work with me directly, I work with individuals and couples and I do all of my sessions with clients via Zoom. So I'd love to chat with you. Hit me up. Uh, it's ashley at ashleymanta.com and, and tell me that you heard me on Dear Men and I will give you a discount because Melanie's amazing and I, I want to support her audience. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Just again, a quick note. If you're interested in the course, you can find it at pleaseherinbed.com, www.pleaseherinbed.com or at my site, melaniecurtain.com under courses and have a very sexy day. <laughs> <laughs>